0: Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth Podcast. To stay connected, go to RevivalToday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Well, today we wanted to focus on exploits in ministry for 2024. God doesn't call anybody to do anything small. Can you say amen? So I'm going to go over a lot of what I dealt with Monday through Thursday or Sunday through Thursday, but I'm also going to add, sorry, Monday through Thursday, but I'm going to add a couple things uh, that I didn't cover. Ministry has an art to it. It's not all prayer and fasting, and then it's not all business. There's the spiritual end of ministry where you have to have power, and then there's the wisdom end of ministry, because ministry is basically a game would be kind of a crude word, but it's, it's a game of managing people. And, uh, you know, you watch Jesus. Jesus just wasn't just walking around with his hand cocked, slapping everybody in the head and healing them. He did that. But he also would communicate the word in a way. Uh, his parables were masterful. He talked to people where they were at about things they were going through. And so one reason I'm dealing with this today, obviously I want to welcome everybody that's watching online uh, and that will watch the replay, is because if you'll do what God tells you to do, like I've been telling you for your business or whatever else you're called to do. If you'll take 2024 by the horns, you can see more happen this year than you have all the years of your life in ministry up until now. That's a fact. Is that video ready, Ben? I'm going to show you a video, um, of where I was about 13 months ago in January. And, um, I had finished the three weeks of fasting and prayer that we do, January 2nd through the 22nd. We'll be doing it again. If you'd like to join us, I have a, a thing I'm believing God for out of the book of Romans where it says, I've preserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed to Baal. And uh, we were believing for 1,000 people to register to pray and fast with us last year, and we had, I think, 4,400, something like that. And um, I'm going to believe for 7,000 this year because that should be easy. Uh, 7,000 people, mostly in America, And I believe that's going to overturn a lot of what the devil has planned in the country. Amen. I just saw on my way in that the Netherlands voted today along with another country in Europe to pull out of all the European agreements for farming and food shortages. And uh, you can see everything going in the right direction. It looked like the world was finished and now it's going back the other way. This is a time to move. This is a window that God's given us. Who knows? Two years, three years, four years might be all we have to get the gospel out and do what we're called to do. Um I finished fasting and prayer. I went to I felt in my spirit to go to Pastor Rodney's camp meeting. I normally only go to May and October, the ministers meeting because after 3 days of service three three services a day for 21 days, I'm ready for a week off. But I I felt to go down there. Well, the one night you're going to see he swung the mic to my uncle Ted and my uncle Ted gave a word from the Lord. One of the keys in ministry is to be where the Holy Spirit is. People go to stupid things, or they don't go to anything at all. Many pastors and preachers have never been to anything where they're not the preacher, or they're a member of something that they don't like. They're a member of a denomination, and if you ask them about the denomination, they go, oh, our denomination's pretty dead. You know, I don't even really go much. Well, you're wasting your life. It's stupid to be a part of something you don't believe in. Say this out loud. I get one life. And I'm telling you, that life goes quick. I'm 43. I'm, I'm about uh, halfway through. And and it blew by. I'm just hitting my breakthrough, uh, what, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And um, here we are. So you cannot waste time. And you can't be on an island by yourself. Most pastors, they have no friends. They don't, they, they just, they're isolated. It's like the devil has devoured their ministry without them knowing it. They're they're, they're immobilized, but that's not going to be you. Can you say amen? So one thing you have to do is you have to break out. You have to be intentional about getting places where the Spirit of God is. Some of you that drove in from far away. That's why you're here. You're not here because you're my friend or you you think I'm funny. You could laugh watching on YouTube. You're here because the Lord quickened you to consecrate days of, of, of this week at an odd time, middle of December, when most people's brains are turned off for the year. You, you felt to come and receive something from God. I would make that a lifestyle. You know, there's nothing in it for me in the natural to go meet up with Dag Haywood Mills and cabine de Angola. He had me preach a bunch. I didn't ask for that. He, you know, it's an honor, but I, it's not like I was going there to preach and he's, he said he was going to give me so much money a day. It's just a massive, in the natural, it's a massive financial loss to go fly to Angola and then, um, you know, we paid for the crusade from the ministry. But whatever I received that week, you know, I brought something home with me that made me bigger on the inside. I refuse to just get trapped in Pittsburgh. You know, one of the things that um, the Bible says in the New Testament, it says uh, Peter said that when people fall back into their old sins, one of the problems is they don't see very far. They don't see far. Most pastors don't see far. Most evangelists don't see far. If somebody opens up a second branch of their church, they do it 25 minutes away for people that are having trouble driving from Seminole or whatever. They have no eyes for the whole world. And uh, you get small if you don't break out and get around other people. I'll tell you, I can tell when ministers aren't around other people much because they'll say things that are easily debunked and, you know, they'll just rattle it off and you'll say, well, what about this? Like, I'll give you an example. I was with a guy that was a little bit older than me, but he irritated me. And so normally I would just keep my mouth shut, but I didn't. He said, um, "He said every evangelist should operate, all evangelists should operate out of the local church. I said, so in your opinion, Billy Graham spent the entirety of his life outside of the will of God because he didn't operate out of a local church? And he said, oh, I never thought of that before. Well, that's what happens. The Bible says, "Iron like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Well, if you take the flip side, if you're never around anybody, you get dull and you don't know it. You'll say things from the pulpit that are bad doctrine, but nobody's hear, nobody hears it to say anything and correct you. And um, I, I got in a little run-in with a pastor this year because he's around my age. And, and he, he, they, he posted something on his Instagram story that was, you know, and he asked me preach. I'm not gonna go preach somewhere like I do for a week on faith and then have somebody after I leave undo everything I did. So he said, uh, he posted online um, God's not interested in giving you your desires. You should be interested in giving God his desires. So I sent it to him and I wrote, what's that? And, uh, I, I said, you actually believe that? Cause the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I preached on th- that, those exact things in the morning service when I was there a few months ago. Well, he got upset like people do. And, uh, he said, what business is it of yours to correct me? I said, it's not, but who, who is going to correct you? I said, you don't actually have any overseer or anything. You're just on an island by yourself, and so I won't ever call you again. But I just thought you should know you're preaching wrong doctrine, and you shouldn't call yourself a faith church if you're discouraging people from wanting the best of God. Well, he—he's an example of what I'm telling you not to be. He's never at anything, ne- never at any meetings, ne- never anywhere. Most preachers—that's not a him thing. That's a most guys. They're isolated people. They think their ministry is great, and everybody else's ministry sucks everyone should be like them nobody gives an altar call like me uh, uh no uh, I, I saw that Pastor Rodney does this but I notice he doesn't do this they, they find fault with everybody and they can't submit to anybody do you know there's a way to operate in life where you isolate yourself and you have a good reason that you did you have good reasons why you don't go see Pastor Rodney Howard Brown I don't like this this and this and it sounds good you don't you don't like Dag Haywood Mills you don't like uh, anybody. You can write everybody off because you nitpick every single person. They can have 99 things right, and there's one thing you don't like, and so you shut it down. That's why at um, What No Eye Has Seen, did anybody see that week of conferences we did What No Eye Has Seen? I didn't announce who was speaking which night because it irritated me to even hear people ask me, what night are the speakers speaking? Because I could tell when they'd ask me. Oh, you don't like Jesse Duplantis. You want to know what night he's speaking so you don't have to hear a message on prosperity. Meanwhile, you're broke and you don't want to hear somebody that could give you a revelation that would break you through. You're a stupid person. You're closed off to receiving from anybody. Um, God uses, whether you like it or not, God uses people to dispel what he wants to get to people. Well, if God wants to do it, he can do it. Yes, he does it through people. He did not give Kenneth Hagin a massive revelation on faith so you could ignore all the books and then just say, Lord, teach me faith. He said, yeah, they're all in books. I gave it to my servant, and you're too arrogant to receive it. You know, there's a word in the Bible. Say this word with me, meek. I think because it sounds like weak or it just sounds like a religious word, people think they know what meekness is, that it's just kind of like being like this. But it actually has nothing to do with that. Meekness is teachability. The Bible says, can anybody answer this question? Who does the Bible say was the meekest man that ever lived? Moses. Well, what what trait do you see from Moses? Moses had his father-in-law, Jethro, must have been from like Tennessee or something. (laughs) Moses had his father-in-law, Jethro, pull him aside and say, listen, Moses, you're listening to everybody's uh, complaints from the whole nation. You can't do that. It's going to wear you out. Put... Put local judges in charge. Basically, what we have as our court system. Have local people to hear it. Then if it goes above them, have a federal system. Then have like a Supreme Court. And then if it goes past that, have it come to you. That's called a gatekeeping system. And I'm not going to cover that, so I'll cover it right now. T- write it in your, uh, whatever you're taking notes with or on your phone. Have a gatekeeping system. If your whole church has your email and phone number, you're either going to stay below 200 people or you're going to die. Because you can't talk to everybody and you can't build the church by everybody being able to go out to eat with you whenever they want. You'll stay, the way they teach you to be a pastor in Bible college ensures that you'll never have more than 200 people. If you have to be at the back door shaking everybody's hand and talk to everybody, then you can't grow past 200 because I knew that, be, you know, why did, I knew that because I've made a point to hang around a lot of people. So I knew that when we'd only had 200 people. I easily could have gone to the back and shaken everybody's hand. But you know what's going to happen? When we grow to 600 and I can't shake everybody's hand anymore, you're going to lose all those people. I can't get to the pastor anymore. He used to come over for cherry pie. Now he won't even answer his phone. So I just didn't answer my phone from the beginning. There's other people to get in touch with. I'll stay around and talk to who I want to, but we actually have people meet other people. And make friends in the church rather than me have to be everybody's friend. Can you say amen? So meekness, uh, have a gatekeeping system. There should be nobody. When I listen to ministers and they say, um, somebody sent me an email and how come somebody can just email you? Why do people have your personal email? I got a phone call this morning. From who? Why do people have your phone number? You're gonna, you're gonna die prematurely if everybody can get to you whenever they want. The devil will make sure that you never have a moment's rest. I grew up around ministers like that. Now, my dad wasn't like that, but I mean, they couldn't go on vacation. They, they'd take their family on vacation and three days in, um, Mike Snyder passed away. I got to fly back and do the funeral. Uh, S- S- Sister Sandra's having trouble. Um, they found her uh, suicidal. I need to go back and pray for her. the devil. They couldn't see that it was the devil not allowing them to have any rest. People are always going to have problems. If somebody can't wait six days, they're, they're a goner anyway. Can you say amen? Even when Jesus had his friend Lazarus in the tomb, he went when he was ready. Everybody was pressuring Jesus to go, and he never moved till he was ready to move. Don't let people put a leash on you and yank you around. You have to be the leader that you chart your own course. Can you say amen? amen. Sheep don't lead shepherds. Shepherds lead sheep. Can you say amen? Have a gatekeeping system. Someone has to answer your email. Obviously, I have a personal email, but even that has about 63,000 unchecked emails. I have a personal phone, but maybe I'll just bounce all around today. I've gotten no calls this week from Magalis, who's the head administrator in our ministry, and I've gotten no calls or emails or texts from Patrick. Those are the two people that if it's over them, it comes to me. We have a lot of people in our church. There's a lot going on. I don't hear about much. They handle it. Don't hire people that can't take care of anything. That every time they get something, they call you. I was with a minister not long ago, and uh, <laughs> we were hanging out. He said, do you mind if I take this call? I said, I do, but you can take it anyway, because we were supposed to be spending time together. And he goes, uh, I heard the call because he was sitting next to me. It was something that anybody with an IQ over 60 could have just pulled the trigger on you know it'd be the equivalent of me calling pastor dean if i worked for him hey we're having a 10 o'clock service and the lights are off do you think we should turn them on yes i've watched that people surround themselves with team whether you're in business or whatever they surround they a either don't get out and they don't get around anybody or b the people they're around are a pack of losers that, 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 that couldn't think their way out of a wet paper bag so you have to, if you're going to go forward, you not only have to get around people, you have to specifically seek people out that can add something to the equation. And then I hear people say, like, I'm sure someone would say it if they lived here in Hobbs. Uh, people say it that live in low in, low um, population states. We don't really have any quality people around here. Well, you know what? They've pounded the golden spike through the transcontinental railroad. You can have people come from anywhere. I, very few of our people that work at our church are from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've I've kept an eye out for, at Bible colleges. I used to have Pastor Rodney tell me, who's the top graduates at your Bible college this year that you're not going to hire that you'd be willing to let go out? Who do you have that's top in media? Go for the best. What company, Elon Musk isn't sitting in uh, where's, uh, San Francisco, where Twitter's headquartered, or Harlingen, Texas, where SpaceX is. He's not going, we can't launch a space shuttle, we're in Harlingen, Texas, there's no astronauts around here. You go get, he has the top engineers from Germany and Switzerland and all over the world. Don't. Box yourself in. You can get out. You can go places. You can look for people who are the best in what they do. Surround yourself with the best. The Bible says they that walk with the wise will become wise themselves, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Can you say amen? So these sound like small things. I'm sure you wanted me to pray in tongues at the top of my lungs and lay hands on everybody. But if you don't do these things, you're not going to go anywhere. Have a gatekeeping system. And then have people. What did... um, What did Peter say in Acts chapter 6? Put men in charge who can handle this feeding program. Go to Acts chapter 6. I usually end up here when I'm teaching ministers. No matter where I ended up trying to go. Acts chapter 6. As the believers, Acts chapter 6 verse 1, I'll let you turn there. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. That's what you deal with in the ministry. You deal with rumblings of discontent. So you have to make a decision today. What your 2024 is going to be like? Is it going to be you putting out fires? I've heard people say that. the ministry is all about putting out fires. No, you're confusing the ministry for a fireman. The ministry is not all about putting out fires. The ministry is about what Peter says here. How did Peter deal with rumblings of discontent in a large church? There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God. What have I spent my time doing this week? And I'll be honest with you, that's all I do. I mean, I, re- I relax, but I'm saying as far as productive things, I lay down at night and go to sleep. I eat food, but my ministry is not... I don't, I don't know if I've signed any documents. We took delivery of that Falcon 50 airplane without me signing one thing. That was all handled by Patrick and Magalas. I don't do that. My time... And if I was here last year in December, I would have said that I spend my time teaching the word and and in prayer. But my time, I have actually cut more things out of my life. If it doesn't center around prayer, preparing to preach, and preaching, I don't do it. That's what I'm called to do. And anything that pulls me out of that place, other people. So what did he say? Well, tough luck. We're shutting the, the, the feeding program down. No, he said, we're to spend our time teaching the word of God. What is a minister supposed to spend their time doing? It's not a trick question. What is a minister supposed to spend their time doing? What did Jesus spend his time? He went everywhere and taught. He taught, he preached, he healed. He, his pulpit ministry or his speaking ministry was, was the majority of his ministry. He, you don't see Jesus sitting at a desk. You don't see him on the internet re- researching. You know, I, actually, I even have that. I have, research, I have a researcher, Stephanie. I paid her, I gave her a raise. I said, I'd like you to be my personal researcher. And every time I feel like knowing about something, but I don't feel like watching the 90-minute YouTube video, I just send her the link and ask her to send me the notes so that I can read it. And so it saves me time. Give your time. Timothy, focus on reading the scriptures till I return. Give your time to the word of God. Now, if a minister is to be given to that, and then it says at the end, uh, verse three, and so brothers... Select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in what? Prayer and and ministry of the word. Everybody say prayer prayer and ministry of the word. That's what a minister is supposed to do. Now, you'd think you wouldn't have to cover that. I rarely meet a minister that their whole life is not involved in everything but those two things. They are paint. We have to paint the gym. We have a wall that needs painted. You know, a pastor will tell me, I need you to pray for my shoulder uh, when you're you're preaching here. I hurt it. How do you hurt your shoulder preaching? I fell off a ladder. No, I wasn't preaching. I fell off a ladder. I was hanging drywall. You're you're out of the will of God. Your broken shoulder should let you know you were not in the grace of God. Should be the last time you're ever on a ladder. Can you say amen? So I'm, I'm talking about ministers that are the head of their ministry. If you're on staff, you do whatever you're told. But if uh, the people that are the head of the ship, if your ministry is going to explode in 2024, it's not going to be because you saved money on paint because you did the paint yourself. It's not going to be because you saved money on drywall because you hung it yourself. The secret to an explosive expanding ministry is found in prayer and the ministry of the word. So you notice what everything was connecting back to have a gatekeeping system. What, what, what pulls you out? Of prayer in the ministry of the word. Phone calls. Why do you why do people not have their phone on do not disturb in the morning? You know, you're gonna let somebody else chart the course of your day. Hey, I need um Sister Wanda's out of food. Am I a grocery store? My last name is Shuttlesworth, not Albertson. Can you say amen? So so she can live for four hours without eating. I don't allow other people to dictate my day. I allow the Holy Spirit to dictate my day. Can you say amen? So they said, put other men who are well-respected in charge of this, full of the spirit and wisdom. Everybody say, well-respected. Well respected. So who, your team, the people you choose should be people that are well-respected. That's, that's the qualifications of an elder, that they, they're well thought of, they have a good reputation in the community. Don't hire shady people, and don't hire people that are incompetent. I had an unpleasant conversation not long ago with somebody on our staff. I said, I need a timesheet for Sunday morning services. And he went, I don't have it. I said, how about yes, sir, right away? I said, you talk to me like that as your boss. I'd hate to hear how you treat the rest of the people in this ministry. Don't let people get familiar with you. You're the boss. And when you want something done, that's the difference between staying at a two-star hotel and a five-star hotel. You stay at a two-star hotel. Could I have a latte? We're out. Could I have breakfast? It's gone. If you go to the Four Seasons and ask the maid if you can have coffee, she'll stop cleaning and say, hold, hold on, I'll get it, and she'll get somebody that'll make you coffee. So if you want to be somebody that stands out, be somebody that when your boss asks you for something, it's done like that. Can you say amen? I mean, if I, if I was at this church, I would just notice what Pastor Dean likes to drink in the morning and have it for him. What Pastor Kathy likes to drink. I think uh, scotch on, on the rocks. <laughs> Eight in the morning. I was very displeased, but uh, you know we don't judge here. We're not legalistic. I would, I would just do. I would anticipate. I'm gonna, All the young people that are here that are missing high school and stuff to be here. Well, you're gonna work for somebody off the bat, most likely. I did. Anticipate what your boss likes. Anticipate his movements and have it done, and you will stand out. You will get raises. You will stand out from the rest of the marijuana-soaked-brained peers that you have that are showing up late and don't know what to do. If you will be a person of excellence that people can entrust you with, then God will give you your own thing that he entrusts you with. Can you say amen? Put men that are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer And the ministry of the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. And then it tells who they chose. The seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So the first way that Satan tried to stop the explosive growth of the early church was by persecution. When that failed, he tried to do it by making... Uh, The people in charge get pulled out of the place of prayer and pulled out of the place of the ministry of the word to administrative duties. The more your ministry grows, the more there's going to be need to be stuff done. You have to make up your mind that you're going to stay in the place of what God's called you to do as the leader. You can't let people pull you in every direction because you're, you know, I I used to when I would teach messages like this, I would talk about how you need to work hard. But everybody would just nod their head because everybody thinks they're working hard. You talk to a lady. Oh no, I'm I'm, I'm busy. Busy is not working hard. Oh, I work hard. I had to take the kids to school this morning, and then I have to pick up um, laundry detergent and some groceries, and then I put that away, and then I had to go pick them right back up from school and take them to baseball. Yeah, you did a lot of activity, but there's nothing that's advancing towards a target. Most ministers are very busy, but they haven't done one thing in a day that, it, that expands the church. I'm picking up paint. I have to go to uh, Johnstone Paint Supplies and pick up paint, and then we need a new ladder. I found out our ladder is broken, and we're out of coffee. For the coffee machine. So they're doing that. That's what the devil will do. If he can't stop you, think of this. He'll try to stop you, then after you've beat him enough times, then he'll try to start having you be productive in areas that have nothing to do with the thing God called you to do. I told you earlier in the week, even for me, think of this. You get invited to be with President Trump to, to, um, be on the executive board of the national faith advisory board that and that, that's for any president i went to a big meeting then i got invited to be on the little board that, I, that i'd be at all of them i told them i can't commit to that because as prestigious as that looks as nice as it would be to have a dollas wearing a gown and me with a, a black tie and on a picture and we're meeting at mar-a-lago with president trump i mean that would get three thousand likes on facebook great job the lord's really promoting you is that a promotion I'm not preaching. It brings in no money to the ministry. It actually takes money from the ministry uh, to go and money from me. It's not doing anything to build Revival Today Church. That meeting was this week. It just finished last night when they called and said, we'd really like you to be there. It's 30,000 a plate for the dinner, but we've got you free passes for you and your wife. I said, I'm sorry. I'm preaching at Choose Life Church in Hobbs, New Mexico, because that angel that came to my room didn't say anything about attending high level dinners. It said to preach. and. Win the lost. Don't let anything pull you out of the place of ministry, whether it's painting walls or meeting with presidents. Keep the preaching and ministry of the word the main thing in your ministry, and you'll never lack increase in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that, go ahead and give the Lord a great hand clap today. I don't have anybody to answer. I, I believe you, Jonathan, but we don't have anybody. And you never will as long as you keep that as your confession. If it's God's will for things to run the way I'm telling you, and it is, then he'll accommodate it if you just simply point your nose in the right direction. No, I can't until I have someone. No, get somebody. That's how the economy works. How much do you think you have to pay somebody to answer the ministry phone? It's not It's not a It's not a $400,000 a year job. They're not the relief pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. And it, it would help somebody. That's a, that's a lady that needs income. They have stuff now. They don't have to come and sit by a phone. You can do programs where your ministry phone would ring on their phone on a different thing that would show them on that app. It's a ministry call. And they could answer from the house and take notes and and get you. It'll free your life up. You think you're small because you don't have help, and once you're big, you'll have help. But you don't grow big to manage well. You manage well to grow big. Start with where you're at now. Set things up correctly now, and it'll facilitate the increase that God wants to give you. Can you say amen? amen? Turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 2. This is a book I'm coming out with called 15 Secrets of Uncommon Achievers. The Bible is full of uncommon achievers. And their secrets are in the Bible. Solomon was not above average. He was, he built modern marvels. His wisdom floored people. He wrote plays. He wrote operas. He wrote books. He studied plants. He built the temple. He, he, he was a multifaceted, he was an uncommon achiever. Well, you see their secrets. Second Chronicles chapter two, verse one. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. We spent three and a half days this week in the morning just dealing with that. Set a goal. And I'm saying it again, because we spent three and a half days on it, and probably two-thirds of the people are yet to write down a goal. I know people. What is your direction? Solomon had a clearly stated goal. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, and also a royal palace for himself. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. So who did he send a message to? King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David. I don't have this as a point, but I'm going to add it in. Write in, consult with experts regularly. You know, we had Ron Luce. Anybody my age or a little older or a little younger, and you remember Acquire the Fire? Anyone remember that? Those huge youth meetings? You know, I bumped into him in Dallas, and then one Sunday morning when I was preaching, he was in the front row, Ron Luce. And he said, I do consulting work now to help churches grow their youth ministries. And he told me that, you know, that's his thing. He had a youth meeting, if I remember right, at the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan. They had just under 80,000 teenagers in attendance. I've never heard of a youth meeting that big. That's in America, in Detroit. And uh, he said, if you want. He told me some churches he had helped out. If you want, I'll come and spend the day with your staff and tell them principles that, that, that will work. You know, people know their area. He was talking about how whatever you like when you're 13 you're a customer of that thing for life. Some of you are still drinking Mountain Dew, even though you're 60. You haven't switched to red wine or anything. You like Mountain Dew because that's what you drink when you were 13. So whatever you like when you're 13, I've made a lot of alcohol jokes. I actually don't drink, so don't, don't get the wrong impression. But keep Pastor Kathy in prayer, and that's all I'm going to say. Whatever you like when you're 13 you stick with that for life. There's people that are Methodist today, even though the Methodist church doesn't even believe the Bible anymore and believes in gay marriage. But when they were 13, they were Methodists. When they were 13, they were assemblies of God. So they stick with it. So he said, corporations spend their whole lot, their whole uh, resources targeting 13 year olds. And he said, the church ignores them. They're all going after adults and businessmen. And uh, so that's his thing. I said, sure, come up. Now, what would I do if I was a normal minister? I would have told him, no, we already have a a, a pretty big youth group. And uh, you can't help most ministers. They know everything. If Moses was a minister, like a normal minister, he'd have told Jethro, you're going to tell me how to run this nation? Do you know I saw God face to face? Were your eyes closed when I parted the Red Sea with my stick? You think I'm going to take advice from you? Most people are completely unteachable. I told you when my Jewish friend, who's a, a real estate mogul, among other things, when he told me, you need to own your own land. I had just finished preaching a series on land ownership. I you know, like, you're right. I just actually um, preached a series on that and my point. No, I acted like I didn't know anything about it. Because perhaps you have a different thing to say that I've never thought of. Be on an information hunt from qualified sources. Now, if, my, if, if I had a stepmom that never worked a day in her life and still is wearing pajama pants at 4 p.m. and smoking a cigarette, I don't really care what she has to say about land ownership. She's never owned any. So it's not just being on an information hunt. It's being on an information hunt from qualified sources. And then like everything else, if you do that, if you're faithful with small things, God gives you more. So if you value people that God sends into your life that have knowledge, like you guys did today. You've been here, I think, have you missed a morning so It's Monday morning? One morning? Didn't miss any mornings? Just one. That's amazing. You know, that's interesting to me that you would do that. Um, I wouldn't have cared when I was your age about 15 secrets of uncommon achievers unless it was how to get to the next level in a Sega Genesis game, I'll tell you right now. So like you're doing right now, Christians... We we started with this on Monday. Get wisdom is the principal thing. And in all thy getting, get understanding. Christians have the lowest regard for wisdom and learning. You know, when's he gonna get done? I need prayer. You you can have people lay hands on the top of your head till you're bald. If you don't know the wisdom of God in the how to act, it's you cannot substitute spiritual power for wisdom, and you can't substitute wisdom for spiritual power. When a witch comes on the field to interrupt your meeting, you can't tell her seven principles of not interrupting my meeting. You have have to have enough power to throw her off the field instead of her throwing you off the field. But the two things don't mix. There's the power of Jesus, and then there's the principles of Jesus. The one does not substitute for the other. So I'm glad that you're here. This was announced. As, 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 that it was going to be teaching, I'm glad you have an interest in that. Don't shut it off when we close this meeting down. When you can tell God's put somebody in your life that knows things you don't know. I promise you my relationship with Jesse DuPlanis would have ended the same day it started if every time he told a story, I told a story. I just bought a Falcon 7X. That's great. I just bought um, a, a Toyota Camry as well. And we also paid cash. Now you laugh. The first time I met Jesse Duplantis, I can tell you the name of the guy. He's a, And he's not young, 62. He's another minister that's at a much lower level than, than Brother Jesse. And every time Jesse Duplantis told a story, literally, that was one of the stories. We were able to pay cash for that Falcon 900. And then he'd just wait for him to finish. I just got a van to drive around to preach, and we were also able to pay cash with it. It's like, buddy, you need to have an angel clean the wax out of your ears. Buying a van is not buying a plane. Can you say amen? I mean, that's great that you bought a van. I also have testimonies. But it's like nobody can receive from anybody because it just turns into a testimony contest. You couldn't bring David Oyedepo around most pastors. And him talk about how by the grace of God, he has half a million people coming to his church every Sunday. That, that's great. We also have grown. We're up over 200 now. on Sunday. So. That's what people do. They have zero. And, you know, that's an American thing. And I'm for America. I've got American colors on today. I love this nation very much, but uh, Americans, because of how our country was founded, and I'm an American, we don't, no one's better than anybody, you know, don't tell me what to do. This is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. If they pass a law that it's illegal to hit myself in the head with a hammer, I'm going to go to Santa Fe and pound myself in the head with a hammer just to show the governor she doesn't tell me what to do. That's America. It's like the exact opposite of China and uh, African countries where you just do everything the government says. That's good in a way. But in Christianity, you cannot have that mentality that we're all equal. I, in my mind, am not equal with Pastor Dean. I'm not close. He's pastored a long time. If he has something to tell me about pastoring, I don't go, yes, we're at, we've act. No, tell me. I'd like to know what you know. And that's why I've enjoyed this relationship I have. Have you noticed all my friends are older? Because they finally found a young person that would shut up and listen. When you get older and you've accomplished, you have a desire to pass down what you know. And they can't find anybody. They just over talk them. Yes, no, I was actually going to tell you about a testimony I had. Um, I heard you bought a Falcon 7X plane, Brother Jesse, for $21 My wife and I were just upgraded to first class on American Airlines. I wanted to share that with you. They they don't get it. I had Pastor Rodney tell me one time up in his office. He told me about a decision he needed to make for the ministry, and he he shared the facts with me. And he said, what do you think I should do? I said, I never have had any thoughts about what you should do. (laughs) You're here. I'm here. You coach the Yankees. I coach Little League. So I want to hear. But you know that most people, they don't care that they coach Little League. They'll go to a Yankees game and yell at the coach. What are you putting him in for? (laughs) In my experience coaching Little League, I would never do that. So if you maintain a meekness about you and realize that God sends people, it's what Abraham and I were talking about in the truck. Some people, they don't have a problem that God doesn't open doors for them. It's as fast as God opens the doors, their mouth shuts it. That guy, that guy. That kept over talking, Brother Jesse Duplantis. He's a he's a well known minister. That's sixty two. The the Brother Jesse brought it up to me one time, like two years later, and you know he said, "What's that guy's name again?" <laughs> yeah, that's how you become. What's that guy's name again? He, you don't stand out. And then with me, I listen. I listen to Pastor Rodney. I listen. I listen to Brother Jesse. I listen to any of these older guys. Dag Haywood Mills. His son told me, you're the first minister my dad's taken with him on crusades in 15 years. And the last one was the head of the Church of God in Christ 15 years. You're a major minister, way older than me. I know my role. When all his 20 associates are in the room, I don't take control of the floor and start talking to him. It's not my meeting. I know how to be quiet. I know how to not say a word unless I'm called on. Then even if I'm called on, not say a word. Because sometimes it's just a test where they want to see if you if you like talking or not. One of the presidential candidates that I went to meet with this year, the person who brought me watches Check the News and wanted me to inform that presidential candidate about a couple of policies they have that need to change. Well, she's right. She was right. And his policies are not good, and they won't get him votes. There, It would be a cold day in hell where at 43 at, at a mansion that he owns... When he opens up and says, "Does anyone have anything to advise?" But I, yes, um, I just wanted to deal. I know we just met 15 minutes ago. Let me tell you how you need to run your life, Senator. <laughs> no. So then she wanted me to do that so bad. She's a cool lady. She raised her hand and said, "This is Pastor Jonathan. I believe he has some things he'd like to tell you." And I said, "She's right. I'm really enjoying the sunset tonight. Thank you for the food." And everybody laughed. I'm not not popping off. When you go to those kind of things, there's always one person that will not shut up. They think they know everything. You can't have them on a board. There's people, if you put on your church board, it turns a 20-minute meeting into Woodstock. You just have to sleep there in the grass, and you feel like doing acid by the time they're done speaking. Don't be that person. Everybody say, listen. All those old wives' tales. There's a lot of truth in them, that God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you speak. You should listen like four times as much as what you speak. You should make somebody pull the information out of you if they really want to know it. You know what's interesting? With one of the presidential candidates, I kept my mouth shut. So it intrigued him. He gave I told you he gave me a cell phone number and said I'd like to keep in touch. And that's how I felt with President Trump. I just was nice to him. If you want to talk, then we can talk in a smaller setting. I'm not going to correct you in front of 39 people. I didn't have anything to correct anyway, but I'm just saying that's how people are. This is my one. If you treat a meeting like it's your one big chance, it'll be your one big chance. Yes. Pastor Rodney has had me speak a lot at his big ministers conference. Do you know why? I did exactly what he told me to do. Yeah. If he asked me to take the offering, you know what I had the novel idea to do? Take the offering. I didn't get up and say, praise the Lord. I just came back from three weeks of meetings where we had the church packed. One lady was healed of stage four cancer. People always got to be selling themselves. But if he had me, I come up, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 28. And then I receive an offering for him and give very little commentary about my life unless it illustrates one of the Bible points. Learn how to not blow opportunities. When food is served, don't turn into a, a, a bear. There's people that the second food comes out, they're gone. There's a verse in Proverbs about that. That when you go meet with a king, don't desire the delicacies. A lot of times they lay that stuff out just to see who the swabs are. Act like you've eaten before. Act like you didn't come here from Feed the Hungry. That <laughs> you're not at the meeting in a loincloth. Salami. Play it cool. Because God's going to open doors for you and put you in big rooms that you never thought you'd be in. And now you're going to know how to act when you get there. And it's going to open up even bigger doors. If you receive that, can you say a living Amen. I don't know how in the world you get that out of Second Chronicles uh, chapter 2, verse 1, but we'll keep going. Have a goal. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. It will be a palace set apart to burn fragrant incense before him, to display the special sacrificial bread, and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening on the Sabbath, at new moon celebrations, and at the other appointed festivals of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things forever. This must be a magnificent temple because our God is greater than all other gods. Let's see how many of these we can run through. 15 secrets of uncommon achievers. Put this underneath the title. Expect more from yourself. You're never going to be an uncommon achiever if you think you can't do uncommon achievements. Expect more out of yourself. God created you in his image. Don't have a small view of yourself. You must believe in your calling and you must have a goal. Number one. Uncommon achievers have a desire to advance God's kingdom. We dealt with this in length one of the days. Until Peter's boat got connected to Jesus, it was empty of fish. We might as well just turn this into a secular life coaching thing if you leave this point out. There's no point in having a successful business if it does not further the kingdom of God. And then your ministry can go off track and not further the kingdom of God, where you just end up a life coach that teaches in church. Nobody gets saved. There's very little... There's no power. Make your goal in whatever God's called you to do. Find a way to use it to increase the kingdom of God. Number two, uncommon achievers are willing to accept the life of an uncommon achiever. Nobody criticizes normal people. So you, if you're going to be an uncommon achiever, you have to accept the life of an uncommon achiever. Harsh family criticism. You can't. If no one in your family's ever owned a car before and you go to be the first one to own it, your own family will fight you about buying a car. Do you know how much the insurance is on those things? No, neither do you because you've never owned one. But I'll find out and pay it. Amen. <laughs> Amazing how people will give you no hard time for being poor and struggling. And then when you try to get ahead, they'll try to knock you back down. So just make up your mind that people close to you are going to flare up when you decide to go past the line that everybody in your family has ever gone. Some of you, if you have families that are on welfare or government assistance, if you start making money, they're going to tell you, you can't do that. We'll lose our welfare. We'll remind them that you're in your 30s, and it's not we anymore. You're branching out. Amen. I wonder how Peter's father felt when he abandoned the fishing business in 15 minutes to go follow Jesus. Jesus didn't say, take a couple years to wind your business down and then follow me. Leave your nets and come follow me. Someone had to pick up the nets. Somebody had to clean the nets. Peter's dad lost all his help that day. That was a family business. and See, that's what happened. Hey, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Ask the Lord. I didn't create you. I'm not saying dishonor your family. But your main responsibility is to God. Can you say amen? amen? Accept the life of an uncommon achiever. God can only use you to the level of criticism that you're willing to take. And then God will keep you small for your own benefit if you freak out every time somebody puts a negative Facebook comment or whatever. And it ruins your whole day and you're short with your wife and snap at your children because Bluegill03679 said that you're of the devil. You know, and the person doesn't even have a picture. And they're, hey, dad, want to go play on the swings? Not right now. I'm discussing with Bluegill07369. God will keep you small just so you don't lose your children in your marriage. God can only use you to the level of criticism that you're willing to take. And the higher you go, the more bullets come in your direction. Think of all the people that hate Joel Osteen, hate his guts. He's never done anything except smile at everyone and say nice things. What does he do? He has no controversial opinions. He uses, he doesn't even preach the Bible. No, he does a scripture every, every, every Sunday. Every, every service, I don't understand how you can hate. I understand, like when people say, I don't like Jonathan. You know, you just look at my face. It's easy to not like. It's a mean face. Joel Osteen smiles. He's well-dressed. He says nice things. And people hate, he's, you know, we could look up right now. I, I guarantee if I went on Twitter and I searched, Joel Osteen, devil. There'd be endless tweets. Joel Osteen is the devil. If Joel Osteen is the devil, we're in good shape. Amen. So think of this, because this is, this is actually why I freely pop off at the mouth, because you, there's a part of your things. If I say everything right, I can avoid this. But Joel Osteen does say everything right, and he gets hit more than me, and I'm not nice. I'm mean. He gets hit just because he's big. People resent big things, and people resent big people. If you would put a scripture on Isaiah, uh, up on the screen, Isaiah 1:19. If ye be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Isaiah 119. If ye be willing and obedient. Many are obedient. They obey God. They give. But they aren't willing to pay the price that you have to pay to go to to a high level. Jesus was killed. I just think there's a way you could say things better. Jesus didn't say things wrong. He said, I only say what my father said. And I only do what my father did. And they killed him in three and a half years. You being kind and everything. I had a guy write me on Instagram one time. He went to Bible college with my sister. He said, you have such a big platform. I just feel like if you used it differently, you could reach more people. He's in the ministry. I wrote, well, you use it different. You don't do what I do, right? No. I, I try to be very kind to people. I said, well, you only have 380 followers. So how come they're not all flocking to you? You know, people think that if you do everything right and you, and you keep everybody happy, you'll go to the top. You will end up in a mental institution if you try to keep everybody happy. I'm not overstating. I am telling you, you will end up in a mental institution. I think they've shut those all down. You'll end up in Portland, Oregon, in a tent city. If you think it's your job to get everybody happy. Sister Sandra didn't like what you preached on Sunday. Tell her I love her. It's not important to me. If people, if the devil can lead you around by every person that's upset, you feel like you've got to get everybody on your side. Did you see what somebody wrote on Facebook? Do what the Lord says to do. Let everybody talk and keep going forward in Jesus' name. May you receive, this is not a small thing. May you receive a grace to go high in your calling and never let small people pull you back down. Receive that today in Jesus' mighty name. Uncommon achievers are willing to accept the life of an uncommon achiever. Number three, 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. Can I get that up on the screen? 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. We see it in 2 Chronicles 2 and 3. Solomon did not build the temple himself. He put a team together. Then his dad, David. These be the names. It's like that verse was written by a pirate. R. These be the names of the mighty men who David had. The tackle might that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. And we can keep reading. The Bible tells you about David's 30 mighty men. Then out of the 30, there were three that were the mightiest. And out of the three, he had one that was his top guy. You can't go high surrounded by a pack of losers. And many, 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 many people in the ministry, everybody that's on their staff and everyone they're surrounded with is a complete loser. No one's a loser in God. I know they're outside of God, so they're a loser. Amen. (laughs) No one has to be a loser, but some people choose to be losers. They're late to work. They don't do what they're told. They steal money. And people surround themselves with people like that. There's an uh, an older preacher who's my friend, and uh, he has an associate pastor. He's older. And, you know, when you're older, I think it's why Pastor Dean and Pastor Kathy are as fresh as they are. It's good that they have staff that are 40 and around 40. Their youth injects joy. That's one thing I do with Bishop Dag and Brother Jesse and Pastor Rodney. That's one reason they like keeping me around is an old man. And I'm not calling you old Pastor Rodney or Brother Jesse or anybody else. But, okay, I'll say it like this. As people get older. It's, it's almost like a natural thing that can form with an older guy and a younger guy if the younger guy knows his role because he wants to mentor. The younger guy can be the protege, but then the thing that the younger guy can add is a freshness where you're not going around with them with Velcro New Balance sneakers. <laughs> and when he's, you, you, you keep it fresh. Everybody say, keep it fresh. You'd be amazed how many doors will open if you're fun to be around. Amen. I, all these guys that I'm mentioning that I'm privileged to have a relationship with, none of the relationships formed by me giving them a prophetic word. Uh, Brother Jesse, can I just tell you something real quick? I mean, he's just going to want you gone. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that when they're done preaching. Can you say amen? It's just, it's just from having a good time. And, and uh, I remember something I read. Anybody ever hear of Lester Sumrall? Lester Sumrall, when he was in his 20s, God hooked him up with a man named Howard Carter. Howard Carter was in his late 50s or 60 in there. And they started traveling around the world. And this one statement from his book, Pioneers of Faith, came back to me. And he said, Howard Carter helped me very much in the ministry. And then the second sentence he wrote, and I helped him very much. He said he was a bachelor. He never had a wife. He was traveling by himself, and he was lonely. You know, you're in Tibet and China. You can't even speak the language of the people. I've been in situations like that. It's weird when you can't talk to people for multiple days. Catch yourself, the iron's out of water, and you go, is Mr. Iron thirsty? You're like, I need to get out of here. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) I named the iron. Who's some water. You're a good boy. Who's all nice and warm? You are. Like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm on my way to the mental institution. So he said, you know, Howard Carter had prayed, that God would give him a traveling companion when he went out and then God gave him Lester Sumrall. So you know your role. He received wisdom from Howard Carter, how to operate, all that stuff. But then he added something, companionship. And uh, even with those, the, some of the politicians I've had the privilege to be around, people, people can pick up pretty quick if you want something from them. You want their car. You want some money. They don't know what to do when you never ask for anything. Like those politicians, anybody that was talking to them. I actually run this nonprofit to help batter women. And, you know, if you're able to get into office, I would really like to talk down the road. Everybody's always trying to get something from them. When you just sit and listen, and then whatever they ask you, you give an answer for, and, and you're relaxing people can tell, especially smart people, this guy actually doesn't want any of my money or anything. He wants to help me. I want to help me. I'll tell you right now, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. But if Joe Biden's cabinet called and said... President Biden wants to meet with you, he'd like prayer. He was, ah, the only prayer I'm gonna pray for him is that God judge No. I would ha- I'd help him. I'd help him. I- I'd help. I'd help anybody that wants help. I'd help you the best that I can. I want to compromise, but I would help you. I'd tell you what the word says and what you need to do. I'd tell you you're gonna make a mistake if you don't back Israel. A- 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 but I'd help them. Be a help, be somebody that lifts people, not who looks for people to lift them. Can you say amen? Number three, choose your team wisely. And I wrote in the notes, you're surrounded by losers and you don't know it. (laughs) Pastor Dean, should we turn the lights on for the 10 a.m. service? I was on vacation with a pastor and he got a call from his office. Uh, We lost the key to the gym. Do you know where the backup key is? I'm telling you right now, if I was on vacation with my wife and I got a call, where's the key to the gym because we can't get the basketballs? I'm done with you. I don't need you on staff. If you can't get a basketball, if you can't get in the thing, go to go to back then Toys R Us. Go buy a basketball. If you can't solve simple problems, get lost. You need people that take things off your plate, not people who put things on your plate. My grandfather pastored for sixty-two years, and he had a saying: "Problems in life are free. There's no need to put them on the payroll." I give I give people a shot. To work in the ministry. Some excel. Almost all of them have excelled. But if somebody starts washing out, they're gone. I'm not running a charity. This is God's money that's produced... From weeks away from my family on the road, I'm not running a, a non-profit to help people get on their feet. I need people like David had that when there's people closing in to kill you, they don't tuck tail and run. They say, "Let's stand back to back and kill every last one of them." People that are loyal, people that will go forward with you. May God fill your life with those type of people in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say Amen? You can do that. So I told that older pastor, he has an associate that's just a few years younger than him. This guy has the personality of soggy cardboard. His pants are too long. They're real baggy, like khakis. He's younger than the older pastor. He moves slow, boring. I said, why do you you keep him around? I said, I'm not telling you who to fire, who to hire. But I said, I feel like if he was on staff with me, I don't know that I'd make it to age 55. I would pass away from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. If you have people around you in life that you dread having to talk to them, or if they're in your office, you go the other way. So you've got the wrong people with you. You should have people that you're excited to meet. People that make you laugh. You know, Abraham, you know why Abraham's on the road with me? Because he's fun, He's a, he's cool to be around. He's, he's never annoyed me one time ever. That's a gift. Very few people never annoy you. I've annoyed myself this week, but he's never annoyed me. He's always happy. Do you know what he did? I should just tell you this. I would never ask anybody to do this, ever. You talk about David's mighty men, hearing him mention that he wanted a drink from a certain well, oh, to have a drink of the water from that one well, and it was behind enemy lines. It would be like if an Israeli captain right now wanted a drink of water from Gaza, and they went and broke through the line, got him the water and brought it back. So he knows I like Dutch brothers. There's no Dutch brothers in Hobbes. There's no Dutch brothers in Seminole. I mean, there's brothers from Dutch background, but there's no, they don't make any coffee is what I'm trying to say. I didn't want some men in the Seminole go, I am Dutch. So there's one in, in uh, Lubbock. That's an hour and 35 minutes. He told me when we got Back to the room on Sunday when we were going to the hotel. He said, I'm going to drive in the morning and bring us back Dutch Brothers. He did that every morning this week. Had it in my, in my room at 9, 9.15 in the living room waiting for me to drink. That's my favorite drink. I never, I would never ask somebody to drive three hours and ten minutes round trip to go get me a drink. I'm not Benito Mussolini or Saddam Hussein. A faith, What does the Bible say? A faithful man who can find until you have your own thing, make yourself somebody like that and watch what God does for you. Can you say amen? Number three, choose your team wisely. Please, let's not move off of this too quickly. Who have you been thinking for two years needs to go and you still have you still have room? I, you know, I wouldn't can him a week before Christmas. But maybe like December 26th or so. Make a move. There's people, the more you talk to Christians, it's not that they don't know what to do. It's that the Lord told them what to do. Then he told them a second time and he told them a third time and they still haven't moved because they feel bad. Where are they going to work? I can't run everybody's life. I am responsible to accomplish the mission that God's given me. So you're not unkind, but you cannot put somebody on payroll that is blocking your ministry. Can you say amen Amen. or blocking your business? There's people that won't let anybody come up. I'll give you an example. We, um, there was another guy that I, by the way, I told you we had Ron Luce come in. I saw that my nephew Jay, the youth pastor posted last night that they had over a hundred students at youth group. Now they did that one other time. They had over a hundred, but that was an outreach. They bus 60 of them in. This was a regular youth service, no outreach, no giveaways. And they had over a hundred students, not counting the leaders. Gee, what a shocker. You have in the top youth ministry to sit everyone down and tell them. What they need to do. And I told my staff, I said, nobody better in that meeting be going, no, we already do that. We actually have a, no, no, listen, do things differently. And then they did. And look how it's grown already. It's not an accident. If you pursue wisdom, the Bible says wisdom will make you great. Most people not only don't pursue it, they block it. But that'll never be you. You're going after wisdom this morning. God's giving you new ideas now. And you're going to go to the top in Jesus' name. And no devil in hell can do anything about it. If you receive it, go ahead and give the Lord a great hand clap one more time. So it already paid off. It's already paying off. When we had Dag Haywood Mills, top guy, that's when Pastor Augustine had the idea to start a Revival Today church at the University of Pittsburgh. Is it 140 students, 50 first-time decisions for Christ? That's a big church. To have 140 people, period, is great. On Sunday 1, all university students, many, many, many of them, including the ones that came to the altar, were all Chinese. So you think you can't go preach the gospel in China, but the university is loaded with Chinese students and they loved hearing the gospel and came forward for prayer and to get saved. You can, you, there's a whole world of opportunity. Get the job done. Surround yourself with top people and go to the top together in Jesus' mighty name. Number four, he established a clear-cut goal. Your life's mission should be able to put in a simple statement. And then he received God's stamp of approval. He asked the Lord to to bless it. He established a clear-cut goal. Your mission should be able to be put in one simple statement. I mean, Billy Graham. My mission is, he didn't say, this is Billy Graham Ministries. We believe in preaching the gospel to the lost, healing the sick, engaging in prophetic warfare over the cities of America. No, it's one thing. We believe that every person needs a relationship with God the Father, who we, which we believe can only be done through salvation through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all he did for 65 years. Simple statement. You should be able to put your life mission in a simple statement. Number five, he announced his goal and explained its value and purpose. We read that. Second Chronicles 2, 3, and 4. You should be able to explain why what you're doing is important. I feel to write prophetic poetry. Well, that's, You can't explain the importance of that to anybody. You just, people are just going to nod their head and mo- go about their day. You should be able to explain the value and purpose of your goal to people. Number six, Solomon did it. He was writing to pagan kings. He valued the greatness of his goal and was proud of it. We covered that another day, but it's good for ministry. Most ministers are ashamed of their ministries or they, they make self deprecating comments about their, ministry. we have a small church, you know, and it's, it's not much. But we're a faithful few. No one's going to want to go there and no one's going to help you because you don't even believe in it. If you're ashamed of the thing you're doing, who's, who's going to help? You don't have to exaggerate or lie. You don't have to say we have a huge church, but you can say we have an excellent church. We feel called to the city of Clovis, New Mexico, and we're, we're seeing people saved, and we're going to see more people saved. Can you say amen? Number seven, he said a first class level of quality, Second Chronicles 3, 6 through 7. Put that up on the screen if you would, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And he garnished the house with precious stones for beauty, and the gold of paravine. He overlaid also the house, the beams, the posts, and the walls thereof, and the doors thereof with gold, and grave cherubim on the cherubims on the walls. Solomon set a first-class level of excellence in everything that he did. What about you? You know, it's one thing when live stream first came out. And churches were all figuring it out. It's been out for 15 years. And you go on many churches, their live stream is one camera that somebody set up at the back and there's nobody even to move it. If the, if the preacher walks out of the shot, nobody, nobody turns the camera. It looks like it's being shot on a Motorola Razor flip phone. It looks like, it's like lower quality than deer stand video footage. Anybody ever flip around Facebook Live or YouTube Live? Why? Why does it look like that? You, you can't find one person to run the camera. I'd find a homeless guy in a sleeping bag and say, hey, I'll give you 20 bucks and a sandwich if you just follow me on the camera while I'm preaching. They'll do it. Why have everything crappy? Do, keep an eye on your stuff. Why do you not have a high-definition camera? Well, they're They're not expensive it's more expensive to be using the antique camera you have and VCR that you're running it through. Can you say amen? Set a first-class level of excellence. I have a question for you. These are practical things for ministry and business. If I Google your name, what comes up? Nothing. That's a problem. Something from 2014 that that the local newspaper wrote about you, about how you're a cult, that's a problem. You know, you can pay companies a small amount of money that'll bury articles like that and, and put yours to the top on Google. People search you out, you know, like the the young adults that are here. Let's say a guy wants to hire you, his wife or somebody's going to run your name on on Google. Write your name in Hobbs, New Mexico. Just see what comes up. For most young people, nothing would come up. What if you took the time for a hundred bucks to make a website telling about you? Not boring, not not long. Just hello, my name's this. I've I feel a great passion to accomplish this in life. These are, you know, with some nice pictures. You imagine then the wife says to the husband, hey, that that kid that you said you were looking at hiring, check out his website. Seems like a good guy. He has a dog. I like dogs. You'd be amazed how people make the decisions that they make. Control the flow of information about your church and your ministry. It should come from you. There should be information out about you. Use social media to your advantage. I mean, there was a day to do what I'm doing right now where I'm broadcasting to other people. That would be like a $2 million endeavor to do a live service. Remember when Kenneth Hagin was doing that and he had to do satellites, like actual leased satellite time, and then churches that wanted to watch and be a part of the meeting had to have satellites in the church that they bought and installed and played it on the screen. And now that $2 million of stuff you had to do, you can do for free right now. If you run and grow your YouTube life, you can have more people watching you than if you're on Christian television. And it's free. Why not utilize it? Do you not have a, 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 a message as a minister that you feel should get out? You should have something you feel you believe that people need to know. Because that'll help you when you don't feel like preaching. What do you do when you don't feel like preaching? You're tired or... You just had to deal with a situation. You just had to bury your best friend who died, and you got to preach in an hour. You don't feel like saying anything. You're tired. There should be three things. I remember my Uncle Ted told me. He said, I can preach on the gift of faith, I can preach on healing, and I can preach on the gifts of the Spirit anytime. There should be things or scriptures that are your main, I can talk about this coming out of a nap and preach on it. It's my thing. It's what I believe Oral Roberts was healing. I feel called to bring healing, God's healing power to my generation. If he preached, it didn't matter what he started on, he got on healing. You should have something that you're intoxicated with the desire. I must get this message out to the people. Number eight, he kept alive the enthusiasm and greatness of his project. It's easy to start something. It takes something to keep it going and stay excited about it. I, can, I, I watch evangelists sometimes, the few that are left. You can just tell they're not even excited about their own evangelistic ministry. Just the way they... You know, just hey, Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm happy to be in the meeting tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's like, buddy, I guarantee you didn't preach like that when you were 21. I guarantee you valued the meeting and the people came there and you let it rip. Don't allow yourself to lose... The enthusiasm for your goal. And you have to keep it alive among your your, your workers. They get tired. and You have to get, get it moving. We're going here. We're going to do this. There needs to be fresh things. That's what we do at our church. We just had the hunters outreach. There's always something on the horizon. You guys did it here. You had that big Thanksgiving outreach. That gets excitement going. Don't allow everything to just be same, same. Always have something that's like a light at the end of the tunnel. We're pushing for this. Then that finishes. We're pushing for this. Keep alive the enthusiasm and greatness of your goal. Number nine, he established a projection schedule and began working. At some point, you must start stop preparing and start doing. He established a projection schedule and began working. At some point, you must stop preparing and start doing. Number 10, Solomon only hired happy people. 1 Kings 10, 8. Let me see 1 Kings 10, 8. This is what the queen of Sheba said to Solomon. Happy are thy men. Talking about the men that work in the palace. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Write it down. Solomon only hired happy people. People always laugh when I say this, but I'm not joking. I would have people on staff in my ministry that were happy and didn't know the Lord before I'd have people that were sad Christians. I'd have somebody drive me around that was a, a ha- happy, unsafe person before I'd have have somebody pick me up to go to church that's a depressed Christian. you imagine? I have to get in the car from the hotel to go drive here. Hey, how's it going? Uh, the devil's just really been attacking. I feel like there's like a principality. Hey, uh, enough, please. I'm about to fling myself out of the car onto the asphalt below. Solomon only hired happy people. Uncommon achievers make a point to hire happy people. Elon Musk is a happy guy. Cracking jokes on, on X. The people that are around him have that. Joe Rogan, the people that are around him. Isn't Joe Rogan now has Theo Vaughn around him all the time. Just to crack jokes. Have happy people around you. You can't dread. If you're in the ministry, you can't dread going to your own office. I'm a preacher, you know, for 21 years, and I was only an evangelist for a long time, up until recently. Most, most church office atmospheres are the same as a, a mortician's office. There's no joy. There's some, there's some older eggplant-shaped woman at the front that's frown-faced, and can I help you? Yes, I was coming to see the pastor. I think he's busy right now. Is he? Because he invited me to come preach and said to have lunch. Okay, let me check. You can't have that. You can't have people around you that suck the life out of you. You have to. Then on the flip side, if you put people around you that that boost your joy, if I'm not feeling it, I can't ride for 10 minutes in the car with Abraham Abraham and not be happy. Look at him. Look at him. Turn around and look at him right now. Look, put your face up. The guy, he looks like that 24 hours a day. I think he sleeps smiling. I think he has happy nightmares. (laughs) Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Be a happy person. Surround yourself with happy people and you'll never lose your strength in Jesus' name. May you laugh more in 2024 than you've laughed all year in Jesus' name. Happy are thy men. You think this is some fake point. This is what the Bible's giving given you insight as to how Solomon was able to do what he did. So happy, the queen of Sheba went, huh, I don't have people like this working for me. Yeah. All your men are happy. All your servants are happy, which stand content. The people who stood around Solomon were not allowed to be sad. So and that's not just him. There were pagan kings. If you look sad, you lose your head. Yeah. The jester got to be around the king. Surround yourself with happy people. Do you, do you know, anybody ever seen my wife, Magalas? Anybody ever seen her lunatic twin sister, Magalas? <laughs> they are part of the reason for the growth of our church. Women love, they attract women in. They attract men. Love coming to hear my wife preach, talking about hunting. Almost all of her, all of her sermon illustrations have to deal with murder, deer, shooting, punching she, she's an attractant. I told her to us, I said, if I was married to other people, we would never get our church above 140 people. If I had a different wife, and I said, and talking to women in the church about other women in the church, and can you believe anyone would wear a skirt that's that short? I mean, who would even go to church looking like that? And I heard she smokes. There's people that do that. They don't do that. The, They are a walking party everywhere they go. After church, they're surrounded by 50, 60 people. Everybody laughing. If people are confused as to what our church is, if you walk in, it looks like the most fun party. Everyone talking and laughing. Who said church was supposed to be a mausoleum? God is a happy God. In his presence is fullness of joy. That's a choice, my friend. Don't hire, I, I told that pastor that. He said, no, you're right. He said, he does a great job at visitation and I'm gonna keep him doing that. I said, yeah, but you get him out of the office. I'd make it where I don't have to see him for the rest of my life. Just have him reporting about, about there, there's people, you have to keep him out of your eyesight. You can't stay happy. I could, if, if you let me, I could pick out three people that I know and have them spend all of 2024 with you and you would drive to the Grand Canyon by March. And when you got to the Grand Canyon, you'd keep driving. And then I could pick three people that I know and have them surround you. And you'd have so much fun, you'd forget there was a devil. In our church, we forget there's a devil. We're too busy laughing and celebrating, saying, surely the Lord has done great things. May you make that change and know that joy in Jesus' mighty name. Number 11, have a large opinion of yourself in Christ. Not outside of Christ, but everybody say, I'm in Christ. Christ. We are unable to take the country, for there's giants there, and we're merely grasshoppers in their sight. You cannot have a grasshopper complex and do great things. I'm nothing. He's everything. I don't have much to offer. You need to cut that talk. Have a large opinion of yourself in Christ. I had an older pastor that invited me to preach at his church. He had a decent-sized church. He said, if I have you in, what can you do? I've never had anybody be that blunt and direct with me before. I said, if you have me in, people will get saved. I'll tell you that. I said, I can't guarantee any blind eyes will come open or anything. But I said, if you have me in, people will get saved. He said, great, then let's schedule a meeting. I said, well, who knows? It's in his hands. Then he doesn't need he can have his hands in. <laughs> there should be something you can tell people. If you have me do this, it's going to get done. John 2, 23 through 25. Let me see John 2, 23 through 25. Anybody getting anything out of this today? John 2, 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. It's not other people's opinion of you that matters. It's what you believe about yourself. Jesus would clearly state who he was and why he was on the earth. Now I know a lot of people say, I'm not the son of God. And they're welcome. No, I am am the bread of life. I am the door to heaven. He knew who he was. He didn't care what other people thought about him. And you should have that same conviction. Have a large opinion of yourself in Christ. Number 12, move quickly and run hard. Let me see John 9, 4. John 9, 4. Move quickly and run hard. You make more mistakes by indecision than wrong decision. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For night cometh when no man can work. You See everything going on in the Middle East? To me, it doesn't signal me that I have an abundance of time. Everything I have planned in life, I did it this year. So now I have to get new plans in fasting and prayer. I used to not do that. I'd have like a slow plan to do it by the time I'm 60, but not now. It's time to move. The plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. Think of it. When Bishop Dagg invited me to go to Angola, the meeting was in two weeks. Well, um, Bishop Dagg, that's in two weeks. You know, it would take time for me to get the visa. And uh, I just picked a week. That's, see... You have to have people like I have on staff to get stuff done, like Mogollis, to tell her, I'm going to Cabina in two weeks. She said, well, how are you going to get the visa? She yeah, you got it. And uh, found out the president dropped all visa requirements for Americans at the end of September. It was like perfect. And then um, booked the ticket. There were only two flights left, but they got one of them, and they got me there. And uh, if I give her something to do, there's no further discussion. She figures it out. Well, how are we going to do that? That's, that's how to not get raises. If you can be somebody like Joseph, remember the head of the prison? The Bible says he didn't have one concern except for what he wanted to eat, for Joseph took care of everything. If you'll be a modern-day Joseph will you take care of everything, hey, I need you to do this. We, I already did it last week. It's done. Huh. Just anticipate. Run it like it's your ministry. Kofi runs our ministry like it's his ministry. He called me yesterday and told me some changes that they're making, I've noticed this, this, and this. I've asked for this to be done in this department for three months, it hasn't been done. So I brought in another consultant and we're, we're, we're reorganizing where it can get done like this. Cause you'll have people as your business or ministry grows, they stonewall you in certain departments. There was a lady um, that I met in my travel. She has a book deal with Penguin Publishing. She's a, she's a young lady. And she said, I really like your books. If you'd give me permission, I would like to start a book an account on Instagram that just promotes your books. And she said, I do one for me. I, I know how to do it. Well, I saw her. She did a good job. I said, sure. So we worked out a pay structure. I gave her a six-month trial. And she did a great job. Well, I got a call from our office the day she was starting. Three days in. Um, Jonathan, there's a lady that says she's starting an account uh, for your books. Um, we handle that. And um, we're, we do that here in this department in your ministry. Yeah, I know. And I've had books out for seven years and you've never done what she did just now. So she's doing it now. So there's people, they, they build their own little kingdom in the music department, in the sound department, in the media department. They won't let anybody else in. The church I grew up in in Maine, the drummer that was the drummer when I was a teenager is still the drummer now. I think he's in his mid-hundreds. <laughs> just coated in Ben Gay, so that he can reach the cymbals. He, now think of this. I'm not just making jokes. Some of you came from churches like this. There was the church drummer. There was the church piano player. And if they they were 65, and if some 17-year-old girl that also could play the piano rose up, they treated them like they were Beelzebub. I'm the pianist. you know They'd make sure that lady never touched the piano. That old drummer made sure none of the young guys in the youth group ever got near the drums. You have to watch your company and your ministry for blockers. That this, I'm in charge of this department. How many churches do you go to? Not here. But like they have like a thing that's on ground level. You know most churches you go to? The sound people have built themselves like a castle in the middle of the church. It's like up like eight feet. There's stairs to get up into it. They built like a fortress. It's their sound room. And then when we go, you know, I'm an evangelist invited to the church. And our ministry says, um, I, I need this video. Jonathan needs this video played. We can't play any new videos right now. We're, we're, just, just push everybody out. That's why when that one guy on my staff talked to me like that, when I said, I need the time schedule for Sunday morning, and he said, I don't have it. I know if he's talking to me like that, then there's anybody that's asking him to get graphic work done or anything. He, I can't do that right now. We're busy. So you need to watch people that become blockers and take something over and won't let anybody touch anything. Can you say amen? amen? Move quickly and run hard. Number 13. So I brought, up, I brought up move quickly because very few people would have somebody invite them to. I had never heard of cabinda. I couldn't have found it on a map with a 357 to my head. Never heard of it. I need you. I would like you to come. Check this because, the, okay, this we're going to Number 13. Number 13. Be a person who says yes. Now, I'm going to tell you how life works. Bishop Dag Haywood Mills likes me. He likes me enough after observing me a few times. He didn't invite me to come with him the first time or the second time or the third time. But the fourth time, I'd like you to come to Crusades with me. Okay, give me uh, the rest of the Crusades you have this year. And uh, I'll find which one I have open and I'll go. So the Kabinda one's the only one that works. It's Thanksgiving week. Mo, 99% of preachers would not have gone because it, it's Thanksgiving. But you know, there's no scripture, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> there's no scripture about staying home in November to eat turkey. That's an American thing. And, I, and that, that's coming from somebody who, I, I might like Thanksgiving better than Christmas. Thanksgiving's my favorite. But the last two times I've been overseas preaching. So uh, if he invites me to come to that crusade and I tell him, I would come, but it's Thanksgiving. I'm never getting invited again. And it's not because he's mad or anything. It's just, I gave you, you remember when Elijah went up to Elisha and put his mantle over him and said, uh, uh, he's anointed him to be the next prophet. And then Elisha said, let me go. He said, come and follow me. And Elisha said, let me go back and kiss my mother and father first. And he said, do whatever you want, but consider what I've done to you. People take it as a slap in the face. When they give you a big honor to come with them and you treat it as, as something that can happen anytime. There was a guy that loved my, still loves my ministry. This is when he was younger. If you're watching, I'm not holding it against you. I'm just telling people why, what they need to know. So he's, he, he's 20, 21 years old. I would love to serve in your ministry in any capacity possible if you ever have anything. Well, I got invited to go preach in Laredo, Texas, way down on the border. I live in... uh uh, where was at the time? Virginia Beach, and I wanted to film it for TV because it's a big, beautiful church, and I was just starting to go on TV. This is a while back, so I called them. I said, uh, "Are you still interested in serving in my ministry?" "Oh yeah, anything." I, I would, I would, I, I would count it as last time. All right, good. I'm renting a truck. I need you to drive a truck that has TV equipment from Virginia Beach. I'll fly you to Virginia Beach, then get the truck and you drive it down to Texas and then uh, there'll be people there to help it get set up. Um, okay, I've never driven a truck before. Yeah, I know, there's a window, there's a wheel, there's a gas pedal. <laughs> Number 13, be a yes person. Yeah. If you don't know how to do it, figure it. Yeah. 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 Good. The H-E-C-K out, figure it out. Okay, oh, I've never done that before. If you're only gonna do things you've done before, how are you gonna grow? You know, you drive by somebody driving a truck that's got a vape pen sticking out of their mouth and a belly hanging over their belt. You can figure it out too. Can you say amen? So then he he's, no, I'll, I'll do it. Well, then he called three days later. Um, I talked to my dad and he's not comfortable having me drive that truck. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had called a nine-year-old boy. I thought you were in your early 20s. And we never worked together again. Because, and I, I could have been the same way. Uh, I would love to come with you, Bishop Dag. That's a long way, and I I don't know if I have um, a visa. People just hear that, and you are a rich, young ruler, Elisha. At least Elisha had enough sense that when Elijah said what he said, it snapped him out of it. All right, go kiss your mom and dad, but consider what I've done to you. And he killed all the calves and cooked a meal and went with Elijah. He he realized, I'm I'm blowing it. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. There's no guarantee Dag will ever ask again. When something opens up, you, you have to be willing to jump then. I must carry out the works of him that sent me while it's still day, for night cometh when no man can work. Number 14, First Samuel chapter 30, verses 6 through 8. Number 14, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 6 through 8. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Everybody's families got kidnapped. And the men spoke of stoning David, for they had weeped till they had no more power to weep. Number fourteen, you must learn in life how to navigate forward while going in crisis. While you're in crisis, you must learn how to navigate forward while you're in personal crisis. You can't shut everything down until you get it figured out, brother Dean. I won't be uh, Pastor Dean. I won't be able to come in December. Um, Camila has an infected tonsil, and uh, we need to get that sorted out. You have to learn how to keep everything going while there's still. You know, you read stories about missionaries that buried their children on foreign fields and just kept their mission work going. That is not in modern people. Modern people, their dog gets sick, they're not in church. Their dog gets sick, they're not at work. Anything that goes wrong, they have to put everything on pause until that's dealt with. Well, then the devil just has to throw you one curveball and you're out of it. I told you about the guy that I know. He started a business and then shut it down because his wife got pregnant by him. You know, she's having... Yeah, I could see if you shut it down because she, she had an affair on you. I get it. But even then, you got to keep going. Oh, she's having a baby, so I shut I shut the business down because we need to take care of We don't need to take care of the baby. She needs to take care of the baby. You need to work. Can you say amen? amen. Say with me, a man that doesn't work should not, should not eat. If you're not working something that produces income, you're in rebellion to the law of God. However you want to disguise it. The Lord's really calling me right now to spend more time. In his presence. Uh -uh. I've met people like you. God actually has no interest in spending any time with you. To be honest with you. You need to get a job. Can you say amen? Don't quit. When something goes wrong. Deal with it. While you you continue to move forward. Don't take a sabbatical. It doesn't help anything. The average person after they take a sabbatical. Resigns within six months. You're addressing the wrong problem. You don't need time on a beach. You're, you need your spirit refreshed. Yeah. When, when If something goes wrong, like it did for David, David would say, oh, everybody's been kidnapped. They're going to stone me. I, I, I'm finished. He inquired of the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he got a plan to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Everything that has gone out of whack in 2024, God will give you a plan to pursue, overtake, and recover all in Jesus' name. Number 15. If I had time, I would have put this as a different point because now it's going to look like I did all this to drive for an offering. But number 15 is uncommon achievers, sow uncommon financial seeds. If you're waiting until you get rich to start giving, that's not how it works in the Bible. It doesn't say receive and you shall give. It says give and you shall receive. So David gave a $6 billion offering to the Lord, a 112 tons of gold from his own private treasury. Now listen to this. David said, I have collected materials from the other kings, but I myself have given out of my own personal treasury. Most people in ministry only collect money from other people to give, but they don't give themselves. But you, like David, have to lead the way in the giving. Your ministry giving produces your ministry finances. Your personal giving produces your personal finances. Our ministry is really in a financial crisis. Then I bet you a few months back you were in a giving crisis. There's a lady, um, and I like her, and I don't check people's giving. I got, we, got, we have a big church, and I'm not an accountant, and I don't want that to that's ever factor into how I like talk to people or treat them. But this lady called the church, you know, she's, she's 30. She's not 83. They're going to repossess my car. And I, I helped her in the past, but then now she needs help again. Something's wrong. If you, if you don't have money in America, I know people don't want to hear this. You you need to turn your brain on. There is money everywhere. Everywhere. Something's wrong. So I said, uh, all right, I was going to help her not get her car repossessed. I've had a car repossessed earlier this morning. No, it was, uh, it was when I was first married. So I was going to help her. You know, we have plenty of money in the bank at the church. I don't want to see a lady lose her car. But then I, I said, okay, she keeps she keeps having financial problems. What's the problem? I said, just just pull her giving records for the last three months just so... I see, because obviously, if she's tithing and stuff, and she, I don't know, you know, I'll I'll help her. But let me see if there's a problem. September giving, $110 for the month. October giving, nothing. November giving, $80 for the month. That's not the tithe on a welfare check. Some people don't have any money. No, people have money, my friend. Everybody in this room's got a $1,000 phone, and if you dropped it, you'd find a way to get a new one within the week. So... I know I have people that argue with me all the time on YouTube. Not everyone has money. Yes, but we're having this conversation on a $1,500 laptop, aren't we? With a wireless connection and whatever else you have to talk to me. So I don't want to hear it. We're not in Central Africa Republic or Burundi or the mountains of Tibet. We're in America. There's money everywhere. There's food pantries everywhere. So I said, no, she can get her car repossessed because she's not tithing. And I'm not going to work against God. There's a curse for not tithing. So it's not my job to undo the curse of your own actions. Can you say amen? Amen. So on the flip side, so I'm telling you that because people don't want to face facts. The problem is not that your car is being repossessed. Your car being repossessed is an outgrowth of the root of the problem. And that is that you have not tied your money in with the kingdom of God. God spoke a lot about money. God got angry when people withheld their money. I'm angry with you. Why are you angry? Because you've robbed me. When have we robbed you? You have robbed me in the tithes and the offerings due to me, and your whole nation is under a curse. Isn't it interesting that they didn't even know what they were doing wrong? Some people don't tithe their gift because their pastor doesn't deal with it. We just have a box at the back. We actually don't say anything about money. Well, you're a a poor pastor. You're a pathetic minister. Because if you don't teach people to get their money in covenant with God, they're not going to be able to withstand what's coming on the earth. The children of God have to walk in their financial covenant. Just like if you don't preach healing, people are going to die from the plagues that come out because they're not going to have faith. You have to teach the whole counsel of God's word. There's a healing part, there's a peace part, there's a family part, there's a personal victory part, and there is a financial part. Can you say amen? And it is the job of a minister, A, to teach it, and B, to role model it themselves. That's why I gave that million dollar check to Pastor Rodney publicly, to show people it's not a big deal. I didn't wait till I had 10 billion in the bank to give a million. You know how much you have to have to give a million dollars? A million dollars. You know how much you have to have to give a thousand dollars? A thousand dollars. Yeah, but that's all I have. What are you going to do with it anyway? Can't buy a house with $1,000 in any country. Can't buy a car. People holding on to, there's, there's churches. They got 17000 in the bank. They, they won't give because what? What are you going to do with $17,000? The best thing you could do is connect it into the soil of God's kingdom, and it'll turn from what's not enough into more than enough. If you want to see a different 2024, number one, and I won't, I won't take more than about six minutes. I'll wrap up. But let, let me get this part out. If you want to see a radically different 2024, it's going to take radically different finances. True or false? I mean, let, let's just talk practical. Now, if, you like, if you're a Christian space cadet that disconnects money from life and money's not important, then, then you go find another ministry to listen to that's, that's equally brain dead. I can't have conversations with people like the money's not important. I care about souls. Me too. So when we started a church with 260 people and it outgrew the building and we had to go to another building and we had 700 or 800 people coming. The 280 person sound system cannot cover the 800 people. So we had to buy a $270,000 sound system. That's just the sound. That's not counting lighting. That's not counting building rental. That's not counting a zillion other things. We had a guy that came to our church one time. Christian, of course. This doesn't happen with unbelievers. And he said, because I took, you know, 35 minutes teaching on the offering. He said, "I I see this. I bet this guy has a lot of money coming to this church. Where does it all go? If you can walk into a thousand seat auditorium and look at the lights and look at the instruments and the sound system and the video wall and the staff that's running everything and wonder where the money goes, I guarantee you, you've never run a lemonade stand. Where does all the money go? What do you think? The chair was created by an angel. I, I can't talk to people like that, that you're that. I mean, it's one thing if you're six, here's all the money go. But when you're in your 40s and you you can't see that the world, it costs money to do what God's called you to do. And then as you expand, the money increases. So you're going to get into a problem if if you don't sow in proportion to where you, you're planning on going. Do you know why I'm giving money away? Like, like what, tap water this week? I'm not doing it to help the people here. I'm doing it in preparation for where God's going to take us in 2024. I'm going to go higher, and that higher level is going to take finances. Amen. This guy, and and I was very rough on this person because they're a word of faith minister. And I wrote a tweet. I wrote, being a millionaire is not the goal of life. But any goal worth having will require you to be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That won't hit you right as a Christian. Ah, I, I, I want to go to missions. Okay, how are you going to get? You're going to swim to Angola? Yeah, you know, people don't. They, people, yeah. not you. You're good people. <laughs> so this this word of faith minister, older than me, he's almost fifty. He wrote, "That's not true." I wrote publicly. So I wrote publicly, yes, it is true. Any goal worth having is going to require more than a millionaire, multiple millions. I looked it up in Hobbs the last time I was here. Hobbs is not Beverly Hills. Hobbs is not Manhattan. You still can't get a lot of property. A lot, a lot, like a lot, L-O-T, not like a lot of property, like a lot, a square lot. You cannot get a lot of property in Hobbs. They're like 1.1 millionaire, are they not? 500,000 for a small one. So let's say you get a lot for 600,000 for land for, for your business you want to start. That's just the land. How much is the business? What are you going to do? Put a Coleman two-man tent up and serve it? You have to have plumbing, you have to have permits. You have to have all you have to have employees. So even if you were going to have one small business in Hobbes, you would need a million in capital. you would need more than a million in capital just to get started. True or false. So what does everyone do? See, the reason that guy doesn't agree with me is because everyone takes loans. Now, I don't need a million. Yeah, because you're going to take a loan. But the Bible says, if you do what I tell you to do, you will lend to many, but thou shalt not borrow. Amen. Amen. So when he said that, I said, no, you would need a million. And I wrote, I'm not wrong. He wrote, you are wrong. Well, then I looked, on, I thought anybody that's this dumb has a problem. So I scrolled back through his Twitter account and I found his church. There were four people sitting in seats at a Holiday Inn um, room that he rented that could probably seat 20 people. And he had, he had a little mic plugged in to like a karaoke sound system, which I'm not knocking that. Everybody has to, have, but if you're going to mouth off to me, like you know more than me. You don't need a million. So I posted the pictures and wrote, I'm sorry, you're right. I've looked at your ministry. You could do your dream for a $1,000. I didn't say you can't do any dream for a million. I said any dream worth having, you're going to need millions. So you should start sowing seeds that produce millions. I'm not trying to have four people sitting in a rented room with a crackling sound system. I'm looking to see America shaken by the power of God and have strong churches in Fort Worth and Pittsburgh and University of Pittsburgh and whatever other doors that God will open. I'm not looking to be small. I'm looking to do something big and I'm talking to people today in New Mexico and around the world you will be great in Jesus mighty name if you receive it, take 30 seconds clap your hands, give the Lord a mighty shout come on celebrate where you're going ahead of time you're not going to have a small year, you're going to have a big year in Jesus name I said, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I I, I told that mean story to blast small thinking out of you. He didn't need a million dollars. Oh, yeah, what are you planning on doing? I'd say any goal will require a million dollars. You want to have a meeting on the third Thursday of every month for intercessor prayers? You know, then you could do that. Do you want to have a nation shaking? That crusade I played from Bishop Dag just that crusade was $300,000. Now let me read. You might not want me reading this text. This is what I got sent this morning. You know, I stayed in Kabinda for another week after you left because the government canceled the Lumbumbashi Crusade and we had such problems with the private jet people that they ended up taking our money but never picking us up. That, that's life. Got scammed. He's not, a, he's not an idiot. He got robbed. So that's 300000 for a crusade and then jet people you paid that never fulfilled their end of the contract. So what's he at now? Four, almost half a million dollars in eight days. Get your mind out of little Pentecostal Christianity. I grew up in it. I'm Pentecostal. I got, I got the same Holy Ghost those people have. but I'm not meeting in some musty black mold, rotted ceiling tile church and telling people I serve the Most High God where your building testifies against what you're saying you're doing. And if you have something like that now, fine, but make plans. That's why I had a problem with that guy. He was saying, you're right, I need to grow. He was no can, you're wrong. I can stay small. They taught us as Christians. I don't know why. They taught us as Christians to glorify smallness. How I many you know God has a plan for small churches too, amen? Yeah, to win souls, disciple them, and become big churches. You hear all these people now, I don't believe in mega churches. Okay, then in your theology, the church in Jerusalem was outside of the will of God. 3,000 were added to the church on day one. Then it went to 5,000. Then it went where it filled the whole city. It was a massive church affecting multitudes, turning cities upside down. That's coming back to America today. Small thinking is going. God is going to put a big brain in you and a big spirit and big grace to do what he's called you to do and be who he's called you to be. If you believe it, can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. I'm going to pray for you like I promised. If you would line up across the front, shoulder to shoulder, I'm going to lay hands on everybody who wants hands laid on for impartation. Impartation. You got an impartation from the word? and I'm going to give you more impartation by the laying on of hands that you'll never think small thoughts. I read that text from Bishop Dex just to show you how, how, how much money you can go through. I'm concerned about souls. Are you packing stadiums out? Don't tell me he's not concerned about souls. Praise God. Say out loud so the devil can hear you. I will never think small. I'll never be small. I have greatness on the inside of me. Because Jesus lives in me. I'm not preaching like this and in this tone because this is a light topic. New Mexico needs, Colorado needs, Arizona needs Christians that will rise up. Do you know I was going to make our Bible college free? But then I made it $2,000 just to make it $2,000. Just to weed out people and say, I can't get $2,000. Then you're not going to do anything in the ministry. Yeah. Bible colleges are 38000 a year. I'm charging two. So don't. T- if you can't get it, if, if that's your mentality, I can't get it. Instead of, Lord, show me how to get it. The same faith you can use to get 2000 you can use it one day to get $20 million as you grow. Amen? Amen? But you can't do it by shutting the whole thing down with your mouth. I don't have any money. I don't have anyone to help me. You have to speak Bible talk over you. I don't have anyone to help me. Thank you, Lord, for sending multitudes of people to help me. There was a time where our church had 320 members and 410 volunteers. We had to tell people, since you're volunteering, have you ever thought of joining the church? Because I get what I say. I, never said, well, I don't know how we're going to get any help. Father, thank you for sending multitudes of people to help. We had people helping, weren't even saved. They just were attracted to the vision and wanted to help. Then they got saved. You can have help. I'm, I'm a single mother. I know God knows that. God helped a lot of single mothers out in the Bible. Amen? Stop talking. Your natural limit. I, don't, I didn't finish high school. That'll work for your advantage sometimes. Now you know there's only two genders. Amen. You know where babies come from. You don't refer to women as birthing persons. What are you going to, you know, I, I didn't finish high school. I don't have any college. whoop what friggin What's college are you going to give you if you went to two years of college? All the things you think are limitations aren't even a big deal. Your mouth is the limitation. The only mountain that any Christian will ever have to move is the mountain of their own ignorance. Once you move that one, all the other ones move. That's why the Bible says, study to show yourself a of labor that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then start talking Bible talk. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. Not only are you gonna impact your generation, everybody in your family is gonna be standing in heaven next to you. You're not gonna reach other people's kids for Christ and your kids go to hell. You're going to make impact in the world and you're going to make impact in your home. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.